I'm Ben Clunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. We're two entrepreneurial professionals based in Spokane, Washington. Join us on our journey to make 2019 the most prosperous of our lives. We'll bear all as we strive to improve all aspects of our business and our health and fitness, as well as our relationships personally and professionally. We aim to offer impactful insight into our business and personal lives. We'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout our journey. With the ultimate goal of our business and fitness being in the best shape of our lives at the close of 2019. You are listening to the Ordinary to Extraordinary Podcast. It's explicit. It is. I feel like you appreciate that. You're just, you're authentic. You say what you feel, right? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll omit things. Sometimes you. Sometimes it can be hurtful. You know, you don't want to hurt people's See, feelings. Oh, look at that, Stephen. That's a nice thing. It's it's one thing. The truth without mercy is not good. <laughs> Did you listen to our last podcast? That uh, the, first, uh, the first half. Of it. This is Stephen's things that he's, he's he goes. I got to work on being nicer. He's like, I think people just mistake my candor for being like, some, mean. Yeah, some people feel that truth is 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 good, but it's not good unless you have grace and mercy that goes along with it. Yeah, I never set out to hurt anybody, it's but like, if their feelings are hurt sometimes, that's really not... Yeah, it just depends. It depends on your motive. Exactly. I think the motive is the important thing. I would never set out with the purpose of trying to cause someone distress so to speak. But we also have to be humble enough to know if we did cause it, maybe we shouldn't have said it. Yep. Well, that was a good start. I like it. (laughs) Did we actually record that? We're recording all of this. We've been recording it for a while. So if you guys are wondering... (laughs) That's how it all works with us. You've uh, you've clicked on this to listen to it. If you're wondering who the third voice is and you haven't read the the bio there um they probably read intro it. we're with Corey jepson who is the owner of baller media the formerly baller formerly c jet uh kind of the uh, well, market it's kind of right yeah it's kind of yeah yeah so c jet's your personal brand yeah well yeah. i'm working that out it's still an instagram handle it's an instagram handle right now there we go <laughs> there you love go. it c jet like it, it is a company filed with the state so that's cool and then I, yeah, I'm, I'm changing everything up. I, I tried to, if we could just get, I don't know, we could talk about it. Do you want me to stop? No. I mean, uh, yeah, well, we're it's, all, it's all organic. Well, I was CJEP studio for four years in Coeur d'Alene. And then um, that's how I started my agency. We started, we hired people, it became bigger. And then, er. uh, yeah, big, bigger. It's not big. I don't consider it big. It's bigger. It is a company. It's nine employees strong, 10 with me. And without not counting interns and part-timers, yeah. right? And um, eventually I started looking at it and I was like, it can't be CJEP. I didn't like it. Number one, it's hard to spell. Um, it doesn't make any sense. Not that I don't think the names need to make sense uh, because branding is just branding, right? But because um, branding is your story, right? It's this content within and you can make anything great. Pepsi, what does that mean? We don't know. We just know what it is. But CJEP, I just didn't like my name on it. Because it isn't me. It started with me. I'm maybe the rainmaker or the, the culture of it and the start it. But now it's a group of people. And I wanted to make it more, I wanted to make it bigger and more in-depth and amazing. And um, I came up with the name Baller Media. And Baller is spelled B-A-H-L-R. And the reason I spelled it like that is because I wanted to identify with millennials and, and 
an older demographic alike. And Germans with a random age? Not Germans. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, it is true. It is true. The story behind Baller Media, so if you look at the name. He said not Germans. I'm just joking. Not Germans. No. No yeah. Germans it is, are allowed. It, it is funny that you should say that, though, because I wanted to come up with a name because there's a, some, some topics, topics in my content are to, if you're a business owner um, in this generation, it's your duty to invest in the millennial generation because in 10 years, um, if you haven't got in front of them and gotten on you, their phones or on their feeds, you're going to be last in line when everybody's doing it. And so anyways, to attract a millennial generation, I wanted a name that was going to be somewhat identifiable to that generation. Mm -hmm. And baller will always be identifiable. However, I didn't want to spell it that way because there is a generation above us mm -hmm. that not down with that that kind of talk you know they don't know if they see b-a-l-l-e-r media they're like that's not for me so i spelt it b-a-h-l-r i like the aesthetic of it i like the h in between it i like five letters but i also like that it looks german i like that it looks like foreign right mm -hmm. and so you look at it and you're like baller media oh, that must be someone's last name but the truth is it's none of those things. <laughs> you speak like a marketing guru. It's like say. that's what you do or something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> do you want to so, know a secret about the last name Clunt that has not ever been, I think, told or recorded? Perfect. Legally, the, our last name is Clunt. Mm. But my father, when they started the advertising agency, changed it and added umlauts to the U. Over wow. So he did? So is that, is that, is that, uh, is that um, officially changed? Like in... Not never the social security office. Yeah. <laughs> still just no. That's cool. But that's like the it. agency world, man. Those guys, they just go rogue, do whatever they want. That's not my last name. Yeah. My last name has umlauts on it. Did did he do that just because he'd already met you and he didn't want people associating Clint with what it sounds like? <laughs> sorry, my family? I'm talking about you. It was a joke. Don't worry about it. Stephen's jokes don't make sense to me. Yeah, it's kind of... What do you, you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> Drop the L from Clint and what does it say? What, yeah. what, what's he getting at? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know what it says. <laughs> what does it say? Where I come from, man. Not this is just like the last podcast with uh, who was the woman that you interviewed? Rachel. Rachel. Yeah, you got yeah. right into this. This is where you go, man. You just go right into Steven's. Yeah. A, <laughs> it's just so natural Steve. to rip on Ben a little bit. It feels That's good. a nice thing that he's working on. Yeah, that's okay. You give it back. Don't act like you don't do Shut it. Shut up, me. Stephen. <laughs> what was it you said one time? Shut up. I don't give the what you say what you, or something. What I can't, you something think like or that. say or whatever. So I don't care what you think. We both kind of met you around the same time. I remember saying to Ben that I was going for a coffee with you when mm -hmm. you were first planning on your office down here. And I found you by accident. You were all over social media, all over LinkedIn. I'm like, this guy's pretty switched on. Mm. I want to talk to him. Seems really... <laughs> committed to the, the community, whether yeah. it be Coeur d'Alene or Spokane. Yeah. And I loved your message because even after having coffee with you, your overall message is just, I want to mm -hmm. help people. I yeah. You know, if, if your budget is this much, we'll figure out yeah, how to help you with your budget. Heart. You know, and I think we're both like that in, in our own businesses. Yeah, and how, how do we help versus how do we make money? Right. Yeah. And you can demonstrate value, not necessarily within your own respective field even, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is cool. Yeah. So give us your story so far. You gave us a little bit of the recent story, but where did you start? Where are you from? We're give not going to do an any icebreaker question. Oh, we're going to do the icebreaker. We'll get there, but we won't go right Did we break the ice already? Do you so want to break the ice first? Let's break the ice first. 
All right, Ben. I was which really one do you looking forward today? to the icebreaker question. Okay. Oh, he's First been icebreaker I've, question. I've done my research oh. on this podcast. <laughs> okay, if they were to create a movie about your life, Corey, I did think of the answers. You did? Okay. I did not. Oh, well, good. Okay. If they were to create a story about your life, mm-hmm. kind of what would be the plot line? What would you want it to be about? Mm-hmm. And then who would play you? Uh, I would say the plot line would be like it doesn't matter what your past looks like, the results are always different. There's no template of life, right? So if you hear about, which we may talk about if you want, uh, about my upbringing, I don't believe the result of my life really matches well with my past. And I think that goes for a lot of people. But I think a lot of times, like in in the world, we template everything Mm -hmm. through movies and, oh, this person is this, so this is probably their outcome. And we do it naturally, but my life kind of did something different. And I don't know where really that comes from. Um, who would play it? Yeah, who would be the, who would play who would be the actor or actress or whatever you want to identify? Probably Ryan Gosling would play me. <laughs> why is that? Why is that funny? Because the resemblance is uncanny. Oh, you know what? Actually, let's not go there. Let's say Jason Momoa. I don't know Jason who Jason Momoa, Momoa is. You'd be better off taking Ryan Gosling. Jason Momoa is uh, Aquaman. Oh. Oh, okay. okay. There you, you go. know uh, Aquaman. Dude. Yeah, oh, okay. I'll get there. Okay. How about you know? Let's just scratch it all. How about the Rock? He can play me. Oh God, the Rock's mine. Uh, I'll fight you, you for him. <laughs> <laughs> we could, uh, yeah. So one of those three could play. That would be fine. But if I had to do something that looked like me, probably Dolph Lundgren. You think you look like Dolph? Lundgren? If I cut my hair and I shave my beard and I color my hair, which I used to do, I look like Dolph Lundgren. You have a thing for really butch men, don't you? Like, <laughs> not not like that. That's I just weird. Mean, yeah. I did well. No, like I'm a Rocky fan, you know. And I, when I was growing up, people would be like, "You kind of look like Ivan Drago, or like your face." And see, I can't see it at all, and I love good. The Rocky I don't movies. want to look like him, but yeah, I good. I don't want. Yeah. Okay. What's the next one, Stephen? When you were a little boy, when you were just a wee nipper, what did you want to be? Just a wee a nipper. wee nipper. <laughs> I wanted to be. I wanted to be a like a sports player, like a football or basketball player. Everybody wants to be the professional athlete. I'm waiting for yeah. one that's like totally out there. The problem is, is I sucked at all sports. <laughs> I was the worst. Really? Yeah, I was bad. I was I'm still bad. I but I still play. You I'm look kind of wiry and athletic. I'm surprised. I'm, I, I'm athletic. Like I'm fit, but I don't play sports well. I just mm. suck at it. I think it's a weird pressure thing. Like I feel like I feel super confident. I get out there, and then the pressure. I always do. I do. Yeah, I do really well. And this is only like in sports, right? Ath- athletics. I do really well when nothing's on the line. But if I put the pressure on myself, on myself, and there's competitiveness, I just I don't I don't perform. And it's almost feels on purpose because I don't have a problem with it. I'm not a competitive person at all. Like if you put me in a competitive yeah. situation, I'm like, nah, you guys can win. Yeah. I just I don't, don't want care. that. I don't want that added stress. Yeah. So many I'm com- that way a little bit too, actually. That like, genuinely confuses me. I have a switch. So I've mellowed over time I'm 37 now about to be 38 yeah when I was younger okay have you ever you've seen Back to the Future right of course you know Marty McFly when people Mm -hmm. call him a chicken and he's that's you oh I was like that when I was young I'm still like that to a point now you can push me to the point where I just I have this internal switch Mm -hmm. that once I switch on competitively I can up the ante and make myself better at things just by focusing it's like that in golf Why, why do you do that like why do you feel the need to like to answer those calls. I can't possibly answer why I feel the need, but it is a compulsion. It's in you. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's just, I, you know, 
you know, again, quoting another movie like Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. That's yeah. how I feel about everything. Yeah. I'm not interested in being second. Boop. I want to be the best. I guess to me, I feel the same way, but I always kind of go on the side of I define what's first and I define what's winning and I define what's losing. So you might think, you might, person A might say, okay, you, you suck at this, or you're going to do this, yeah. and I'm going to challenge you. I'm like, well, all right, well, have fun with that. I'm not going to play your game. I'll play yeah. my game. No, totally. And if, I will not be competitive See, to another I like person. That way. So it's like if I was in like well, if I play that's why I suck at sports I think because I don't want to play their game I just want to go out have fun no I have fun that's cliche right but that's good but I just want to like be okay I just <laughs> want to like be okay with, with my life you know what I mean like I just want to be like okay with wherever you want to place me in life that's fine with you but as long as I'm okay I'm okay what if and, with your own goals and your own yeah style. yeah I win I win I win every day what about in your industry are you okay with your company just being okay or do you strive for excellence there well I strive for excellence is okay with me meaning like I'd set the bar I define the I don't have any okay. competition right so if you wanted to put three advertising agencies in my area right on the same street or whatever that's fine bring them on mm -hmm. because I I know one thing Nobody is better at being me than me. You can never be better than me at being me. None of you. Nobody. Not everybody listen to this, and I'll say something to everybody listening. You are the best you ever, right? Nobody can ever be you. So the only competitor you have in your business, in your industry, in your personal life, anything, in relationships, the only person that you have to be better than or answer to is the person that you look at in the mirror. And if you start comparing yourself to everybody else, it's just added stress that you don't need. And then, I don't want that stress. I say, uh, I just comparison don't want is it. the thief of joy. What's that? Comparison is the thief of joy. Exactly, because right? it's yeah. just added stress. Just be you. Just like, well, just, be happy where you're at. Yeah, Ooh. Steven and Ben, like you guys are. There's nobody like you. Zero people are like you. I would agree with that. Right. <laughs> and so, like, you're the best at it. Yeah. So, like, that's what I want to own. I just want to own the best at being me because I'm not going... I could... We could all, like, have a script. And we could all say a script. We could all say a certain thing. Yeah. But we're all going to say it differently. And we're all going to say it with different passions and different perspectives. And each one is differently... Is valued differently in each different way. I think that's really cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like it. You know? Yeah. And I agree with the non-comparison. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think competition is about comparison in terms of sport and endeavor and athleticism. Yeah. For me, it's... I want to do... It's always about beating me, right? It's about mm -hmm. being the best possibly can, better than I was yesterday, better than I was 10 years ago. You know, as good as I possibly can be at any spe specific time with any conditions. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think comparison, like you said, Fifth thief of joy mm -hmm. so what happens 100%. when you lose in an actual competition set before you with other people i start preparing for the next time that i get mm -hmm. to compete Does in the same arena are you like mad i'm a terrible loser you are but more so, not mad like i'm a terrible loser and a terrible winner but I'm don't you think but what, what do you mean what's so when you oh. lose what does that what do you feel like i feel disappointment in myself why um, because I want, I set out to win. You wanted to be other I set people. A goal and I failed. I might have come close, but I failed. So My goal, goal is always winning. to be number one. So the goal was to be other people. To be number one. But of others, right? Yeah, but that means that I'm the best I can be because I'm number one. I don't no, know you can be the best you can be and be fifth place. See, I disagree with that. 
Really? What? How could you disagree, disagree with that? With that. I can be the best I can be and be fifth place. Like, what the are you best, talking about? The best I can be is better than everybody. Oh, man. That's unhealthy. But what about... But I mean, that's, how does that's that what work? drives... We, how does we that talked work about for like a jockey, like you're a jockey and a horse. Jockey. You can't be. I mean, you physically can't be the best. Doesn't horse it hurt? Jockey. Doesn't it hurt? Like, yeah. don't you? Don't why do you? What you? Well, that, I understand that. For sure. I understand that you have to have pain to grow, right? Mm-hmm. But not self. Don't self inflict pain on yourself. Just be okay. The only comparison I can give is Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Like the way that guy, his drive and determination to show up every day and be better than everybody else is inspirational to me. Mm. Michael Jordan had the same drive. Um, there's a bunch of other athletes that are, you know, Tom Brady, what he's mm. doing at 42 years old right now. Like that in and of itself, and the, the way I look at it is I can always be number one in just about anything if my work is right, my environment is right, and I'm doing the things that I need to do to get there. So yeah, fifth would be... Here, here's what I think about what you point. said, though, about Kobe Bryant, all those things. I don't think any of them set out to be better than everybody else. I think they take the other side, and they, they, they set to be better than themselves the day before. And I think the results just speak for themselves. I think if you woke up every up day and you just said, you know what, I'm going to do my very best. I'm still going to go through pain. I'm going to go through growth. I'm going to be better than I was before. And the, the reason why they're better, they are better naturally, not on purpose. So when they're better naturally... It's just a result of, of the things that everybody else isn't doing. Everybody's competing with each other, but nobody's competing with themselves. And when you compete with yourselves and you work on that every day and you're not satisfied, you're, just, you're the great, you're the goat, right? So hmm. that's tough because it's so much like I would hate a life where I get up every day and want to be best ever. Like I'm just going to be better than I was the day before because I'm hmm. pretty damn good right now. And I'm going to be better tomorrow. And some days I won't. But and I think it starts that's that grace and mercy part it starts personally too. yeah so I do I mean I tell you all the time what is it we say one, 1% better every day right mm-hmm. it's incrementally better but I think eventually you reach a point where 1% better is going to put you over the top and the 1% better you're competing against yourself initially mm. but I think long term you want I want to leave a good legacy mm. and a good legacy isn't necessarily top of the mountain every trophy every sport for me, the good legacy is that I woke up every day trying to be better than I was yesterday, mm. but eventually reached a level that yeah, that's freaking great. So I don't know, and I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I and, and vice versa. Why do you think? Like, what do you guys think? What do you guys? Why do we want to leave a good legacy? Like when you die, like what's the purpose of that? But what else part of is ego. Hmm? Part of its ego. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's if I'm always honest to people. Like, mm-hmm. man, yeah. Part of its ego. It's like I want to be admired by people. I want to have an impact in people's lives. I want to have felt like there was meaning to my work mm-hmm. and what I do. Do you think Outside that? Do we? Do we want? Do you? Joy. Do you think leaving a good legacy for ego, or do you think leaving a good legacy so your actual legacy better betters people? Right. So when they, when you're dead, when you're done, what you left behind, I think, in my opinion, mm-hmm. should actually be an be an empowerment to others mm-hmm. rather than. Oh, Stephen was a great guy. He was these, this, that, and the other thing, right? He was awesome, but there's no practical or there's no like thing that they could take from yeah. it. I think that if we have a legacy, it should be to empower or provide action to Absolutely. others. Well, I say it's admiration, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. postmortem admiration, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's like how you, it could be, I mean, it could be that they admire the company you started. Mm-hmm. It could be that they admire the father that you were to your kids and mm-hmm. how you raised your family. 
I mean, it could be that you have left a massive trust or something mm. to somebody. Like, I think there's a lot of ways, and you just find whatever way is meaningful to you. And I just, yeah, and I just want that legacy, I think. I just want that legacy to say, I want someone to look at it and say, I could do that. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it because... Yeah, inspirational. Yeah, kind of well, inspirational and like, it's almost like motivation. You can't motivate anybody because motivation doesn't come from you. It comes, it comes from you. It doesn't come from somebody else. But inspiration can come from you to yeah. somebody else. Yeah. So, I mean, we can't all be Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, Gandhi, or, you know, we can't all leave that kind of legacy. But you, you're both parents, so you've got two little girls, right, Corey? Mm-hmm. Yep. I would say, without putting words in your mouth, I bet front and center in your thinking is you want to be the kind of man and show them what kind of man or woman they want to be with when they're older. Mm-hmm. And you want to teach them to be quality young ladies so that they can attract that in someone else as well. Or mm-hmm. not. Maybe maybe they're single, but they're still putting out good energy and getting that back, right? Sure. That's a legacy in and of itself. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that, you know, people are talking about you post-mortem for hundreds mm-hmm. of years yeah. and, and quoting you and things like that. I think a good legacy... Leaving those for, legacies. Yeah, yeah, I love that. A good legacy is just... I want to make sure the people that have been around me have had a positive experience and are willing to take mm. the positive experience and pass that along somewhere down the line. Yeah, I like so, that. Last icebreaker question. Okay, do you remember what it is? Because I do. Go ahead. Okay, if you had one thing that you want to achieve before you die, what would you like it to be? Hmm. That was a great conversation from an icebreaker question, by the way. That was one thing that I wanted to achieve. Yeah, one bucket list item, one big bucket list item. Before you kick the bucket, what would you like to be able to accomplish? Hmm, that's a good idea. That you haven't yet. Well, I think it would be, um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Like, because I can't think between the sides of a thing or like, like we're talking about legacy, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, what would I like to accomplish before... And it can be an action item. If you don't yeah, have an answer, maybe like, that's something you think on. I would just like, to, let's talk, let's like say the same legacy. I would love for, if I die, for some, for it to be that, that I live the day that I die, that I live that day like I might die. I like you know that. what I mean? I actually thought about that just today. I was thinking about like, I better live today and I do this podcast or do whatever, better be present. And I better live it like it's my last words because well, I could get in a car right now and go die right now. Well, let's yeah. not make that happen. Well, it let's, could. It could safe. happen. So let's talk, you know. <laughs> but I guess that's, that's <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we're so, you know, our, our lives are just not guaranteed. So What's that country song? I went skydiving. Yeah, Tim McGraw. I like that song. Rocky Man. Yeah. Well, you also bring out songs sometimes here. <laughs> Two more in seven seconds. Corey loves the karaoke. Ball name Fu Manchu. I've done the karaoke with Corey Ben. Yeah, we did karaoke. Karaoke. Yeah, good time. I yeah. still love the karaoke. Doing karaoke. Let's talk about your past. You had mentioned that your past isn't necessarily indicative of your current state, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Uh, Where are you from? I was born in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Okay. Um, so my past was tough. Um, but I never really t- I've been talking about it a lot more lately than I ever have talked about it. Um, I don't know why, because I'm just not the type of person that wants to talk about my past and use it as a justification yeah. or an excuse for any actions or things that your, I do. It's your story, right? Right. It's but yeah, about you being Corey and you're the best Corey you can be. That is yeah. the, I mean, those are the contributing points, right? To yeah. What makes you you? 
Yeah, right. And yeah, my past is a part of my life. Yeah. And I, I remember I'd go through life thinking like, the past doesn't matter anymore. It's only the, the person that determines my future is the person I am right now, right? And that's true. My past doesn't dictate what I'm going to do in the future or the kind of person I'm going to be. I, this person sitting here, gets to think of the man that I want to be and I got to start making decisions and actions and um, um, habits that will create and drive me towards that person. I get to control what's going to happen to me into the future and I get to determine how I'm going to feel when a certain thing happens in my environment, right? However, there's a past, like there's a, I have a past and my past is substantial and I think it, it I don't know what it, what it serves, it serves to people to know me, to know who I am. Your past, your guys' past, people, it's vulnerable, you know, like if you meet somebody and like I met somebody, right, and she knows everything about my past more than anybody knows and um, it kind of puts you in a vulnerable position because if you have somebody and you start talking about your past, you start talking about mistakes that you've made yeah. or, or insecurities that you have or mm -hmm. vulnerabilities. And then people start to endear to that and they start, wow, like, and they get the whole story and then they get to travel on that journey with you towards the person that you want to be. And my past, like, um, I was, my, I was grew up in Coeur d'Alene, moved around to Seattle, Spokane, stuff like that with my mom and dad. And, um, my dad died when I was five years old. Mm, you and, uh, he was a construction worker and he died um, on the construction site, his ladder touched a power line and got electrocuted on the job, right? I remember the day that he died. It was weird because I'm five years old and I don't remember anything from when I was five. But I do remember memories of my dad just because I think your brain works that way. It kind of locks yeah. that in. Mm -hmm. um, so um, that happened. And um, rather than go into detail, like my mom took it hard. It was really hard and um, it was not the greatest childhood. There was a lot of very poor decisions made. Yeah, she suffered. Yeah, yeah like right. poor decisions made by my but my mom and she made really bad decisions and um, I saw a lot of domestic violence times where I in the middle of the night just getting scooped up out of my bed traveling to Seattle looking for him and the her boyfriend in the bar like stuff like that watching my mom get like be like get beat right in front of me coming down and nobody caring that the child was watching right yeah um just a lot of stuff i remember one time i woke up and the car was high centered on railroad tracks and the train was coming and i had to get out and stand up on the road and try to figure everything out and you know like it was just a lot nobody else was in the car no well my my mom was and then she eventually got off of them but i'm you know young yeah. and it's in the middle of the night and i remember just waking up and thinking that and there were many instances like that and so my family, my blood family, um, I don't know what happened or how it happened, but I just didn't end up like them. Mm. Um, Do you have siblings? I have two half-brothers, yeah. So um, one's in prison and one is living in Twin Lakes. And I don't get a lot of contact with them, I mean, but mm. uh, we'll see where that goes. But, uh, but it sounds like you broke a cycle. Yeah, and yeah. I, don't know how I, I don't know how it happened. Um, it just did. I just decided... That, uh, that I wasn't going to do that. So I, um, I started like really searching for religion at some point in my life and I went everywhere and I, um, that's where I got married uh, through the church and stuff like that. I had two kids and then started like, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit and I started to graphic design in the church I was going to. And then, um, um, you know, there was instances in our life where, you know, foreclosed on a home, filed bankruptcy, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. I really had a hard time, moved to Florida, um, quit ministry. I didn't want to do that anymore. I was doing that. 
Um, there's a lot, the whole other podcast we can talk yeah. about that. I'm not very religious anymore, but I'm very like I do believe. You're spiritual. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, my foundation is in God, but it's just a little bit mm -hmm. like my 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 whole religion now is I'm just going to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, and so that's how I am now, and I love that. And um, so I just decided to put myself through school. Went to college. Um, school? I went to North Idaho College. I was okay. living in Sarasota, Florida at the time and I decided um, that um, I needed to go to school because I was just taking jobs, doing entrepreneurial, like passing out flyers, trying uh, to do graphic design, working, work. at, working, at, yeah. working at American Eagle, working at uh, <laughs> a golf course, like just trying to support my family. Right? How do they make the entire store smell the way it smells? Did mm. they just walk mm -hmm. around spraying the... That's no, Abercrombie. They do it at American Eagle really? as well. I don't know. Everyone smells the same, but not to really? digress. No. no, you're good. We can <laughs> we can dive into that. Like, we can Google it. No. Google GTF. I, yeah. So did all that, and then um, I decided I was going to go to college. So moved back to Coeur d'Alene. Went to school. Whole family came back. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then went uh, went through school. Gradu graduated college. Um, worked at um, an internship at Prezio Mojo Lab. Uh, then I. Um, um, interned or, or did some freelance work for seven two in different agencies, which was awesome. And one day I just decided, well, I can do this, and I quit my job and started had my laptop and started working at, at coffee shops. And here we are, five six years later. Five to six. Baller years. Media. Baller. Yeah, baller. Ballin. Ballin, ballin yeah. with baller. Um, so you you touched on something there that really resonates with me. Mm. I was born and raised Catholic. That's mm. what I, I wrote down, spiritual versus religious. Technically, mm. I'm, I'm still Catholic. I actually go to Mass mm. more often than I don't on Sundays. And it actually surprises a lot of people. I read scripture every day. Mm. I think somewhere along the line, religion has lost its way. And it's not specific to America. But in America, it just seems to be magnified. There's all these breakaway churches. You know, the Seventh-day Adventist church has like... 28 different friggin' branches like the Seventh-day Adventists, the Waco stuff like that was mm. one of those and it's not just that church but I guess what I'm saying is that I think it's okay within organized religion to have a disagreement and not believe in specifics but where we kind of lose our way is that I think all religion was ever supposed to be is a collection of stories whether they happened or didn't happen is an academic point right it's like there's proof that Jesus existed and whether all of the things that are in that book that happened happened or not is up for debate but it's a collection of stories and it's supposed to be a true north and say hey look here's 10 things that if you do on a daily basis the 10 commandments right and if you live your life with those 10 things you're probably going to be an all right person if you take other principles and apply them the chances are you're going to do good things mm -hmm. and i guess the uh, overarching point here is that it's okay to disagree with a religion it's okay to ask questions you said you love to ask questions ask mm -hmm. why ask how ask well okay you believe that but what's the background to you believe in that and have you researched the other point of view a little bit and religion has started and ended a bunch of wars mm -hmm. and still does right we still deal with that daily so that just resonated with me i'm glad you wrote yeah. it down as well well, there's theology, right? There's like what we learn in church, and sometimes it's so templated now. And I was in it, mm -hmm. right? So I was a pastor, a youth pastor, an outreach director, and a children's church pastor. I was in it on multiple occasions. And it's very templated. It's very, this is what we do. And the, 
and I've been in behind the scenes of uh, pastors and, what religion? and uh, what Christianity, church? non-denominational Christianity. Yeah, and I, I still have a foundation in that in belief in in Christ, and um, and I have that foundation. The only thing that I'm aware of now is that I don't know, and I think that a lot of times we go into um, things and we're so prideful, and everybody's so prideful in church and in religion. They say, "Well, this is how it is." Like, just admit that you don't know how it is because there is a difference between knowing and a difference between faith. Mm-hmm. Like if we're truly going to live by faith, then living by faith is not knowing. Living by faith is just being faithful. It's like, uh, do I have faith in um, a person to do a certain thing? You know, that's faith. Like that's something that I just trust that's going to happen. And that's where, that's where I come from. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I want to be able to ask the questions and I want to ask the hard questions. It's like my children, right? Um, we're supposed to kind of take analogies like when Jesus was alive uh, and he talked and basically talked in analogies, parables, right? The whole time. That's all he ever talked about was if he had a question, he'd just relay it to a, a story and then that you, we could understand. And so I do that too in how I learn in my questions, right? So like I have children, right? Am I ever going to be mad at my children if they if they uh, do something bad or not love them, right? Or am I, am I ever going to, um, if they ask me a question... That, that it challenges my character or who I am, it's not going to get offended. I'm not going to get mad at them. I'm going to talk to them and explain it to them in mm-hmm. the way that they can understand it. And th- that's really important to me. So there's a lot of questions that I have. And I've come to the place in my life, I don't go to church right now. Um, I don't do any of that. But I'm definitely asking hard questions. And if, you know, if God is God and um, He is who He says He is, and he, not even He, right? If God is God, right? Like you, you have yeah. all the just... We say G-O-D. That's the name. We, that's the articulation that we use for God, right? Mm-hmm. God. You know what I mean? That's what we say in English. Yeah. Uh, but if, he is, if God is God, then there should be no problem with my questions. It's like a story in the Bible, like Passover, right? We talk about Passover. And I look at it as, um, if, you know, when I think about Passover, it comes from when in Egypt and you had Pharaoh, right? And Moses comes in and he says let my people go, right? And Pharaoh says, no. And he goes, okay, fine, then here's the plagues. And all the plagues come. And one of the plagues was Passover. And he said that the angel of death will come through your town. And unless you have lamb's blood over your door, the angel will kill your firstborn child. Mm-hmm. And, and then all the Jews, all the slaves had to do that, right? Number one, I'm like, why do you need that sign? Aren't you like, can't you tell who's who? And then second, I'm a, what did Egyptian families do to anyone to deserve such a yeah. horrible thing happening mm-hmm. to them? So that's a question that I have for God. I'm like, yeah. okay, so you care about everyone and love everyone. And so the church right now, this templated form, that uses these stories. And I don't understand. And I just would like you to say, to question it with me, to say, what is this? And then it's not to, it's not to use these stories to prove something wrong. So I think a lot of people do that. They take stories like this and these questions and they use it against the church or something. Mm-hmm. They say, see this, this is hypocritical. No, it's just we haven't looked into it enough. We haven't been honest enough with ourselves to say, this is, seems wrong. Let's figure out why it seems wrong and let's figure it out. Well, there's, there's two things I would say in, in relation to that. The first one is I think that's where everybody starts, right? And if you don't question religion ever, that's not okay. Right, mm-hmm. so the capricious nature of it, well, I, as in, question. yeah, it's like, hey, look, I hope my God, if if He exists, is not that capricious to where He could just kill an entire group of people because they didn't believe or whatever it is. Right, and then the second thing is that 
coming back to the questioning of it, you have to be able to ask those questions and not hold it against somebody and yeah. not say, hey, look, why do you want to follow this because of this terrible thing that happened? Mm-hmm. I guess where I always go to is maybe the moral of the story isn't that that happened. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But if it didn't, maybe it's just a story to say, hey, there's consequences to actions. Mm. There's consequences to doing terrible things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those consequences are for people that do not or are not involved, to your point. Like, what did those people in Egypt do, if that's true? If it's not true, maybe it's just a parable, a story to say, hey, here's what they did that was terrible in the eyes of this man therefore here were the re- here were the repercussions and it affected some of the people that were involved and some of the people that weren't so that's how i would look at that mm. but those are the two things that i take away from what you just said and i agree i think it's I right I to would, start there i would love to see a motion picture that's uh, that is surrounds maybe you'll make it someday but it surrounds a character an egyptian woman right mm-hmm. and she is living her life and you follow her life for a couple of years, right? And she has kids and a family and you don't really realize where she at, where she's at or what time mm-hmm. she's in. But we, we know that she's in Man, that time, absolutely. right? And then suddenly one morning she wakes up in terror and all of like her firstborn child is dead. Everybody's voice is dead. And then you find out it's Passover and you're like, wait, and you, you've like, see, I think that's what we forget attached. is we forget to be emotionally mm-hmm. attached to these things and we forget to question them. And now let's just make sure like, I would never question something to attack or to say you're wrong. I question it because it needs to be questioned. And I question it because I want to know the truth. And I think if you really want to know the truth about religion, about a person, about your spouse, about your best friend, you want to know about a business, then you should ask. And if that person isn't willing to go through the pain or the the answers or the truth or the uh, expose and themselves and just talk about it, you either don't need to know yeah. or it's that person's not willing that it's not real. It's you know what I mean? Productive relationship. So yeah. um, I'm at the point in my life where I'm asking the hard questions and I'm digging in and, and if, you know, and like as a father myself, like, and then there's God, I think I know that God would want that. Mm-hmm. I, I want that for my kids. Man, there's nothing better than having an issue or a problem with my kids or even my, uh, my fiance or something and her coming to me or my kids coming to me and saying, I have an issue with this or help me with this. Yes, great, let's work through it because that means they trusted me with it. Mm-hmm. So I trust my questions. I trust my life with God enough to say, that's kind of bullshit, bro. You know what I mean? That doesn't that doesn't really fit with what everybody's saying. Like I can go to church on Sunday and they all tell me that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what I always just say in church, right? So if you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, yesterday you killed a bunch of Egyptian firstborn children. So what's to say you wouldn't do that again? So there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm asking you, I'm asking you, help me out with this because I know I know it's I know I've got something wrong. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? And I think when we approach people and we say, what about this story? It's very hypocritical. They're going to say, they're going to feel attacked. Mm -hmm. And I think that's on us. I think that's on, there's two sides, right? You have to be less defensive, but also if you're going to question, question with respect. Well, they always need to know the answer, you think, too? It seems like people always are like, it's because they put put themselves in a position. Yeah. You know, they're like, I'm a pastor. They're like, you don't have to have all the answers. So here's here's another sort of analogy or something to think about. Yeah. 
if you bought, if I asked you what computer you were using 10 years ago and yeah. you tried to use it now, do you think it would work well? Do you think it would be applicable to, let's do 20 years. If you take a 20 year old computer and try and use it in today's mm. world, doesn't have USB, doesn't have the things that you need, certainly doesn't have the connectivity to do Wi-Fi or any of mm-hmm. that. Get out your Commodore 64, right. man. So you're taking a computer from 20 years ago, trying to use it now, doesn't work. We're taking scriptures, books, stories that were written over 2,000 years ago and trying to apply them in a world with more perspective, more intelligent, better knowledge, you know, a better understanding of how everything mm-hmm. works. Back then, people looked at the sky and didn't realize that the earth wasn't flat. So the way people spoke back then was different. We're taking a book that was written in Arabic, mm-hmm. for which there aren't literal translations to English or most of the other languages. It's very structured in how it's written, and we're trying to apply it. Hmm. And that's where all these disconnects come from, in my opinion. Hmm. The way What's the closest version? The whole brimstone and fire and you know people dying because of this and this god did this and killed that and that i would like to think most of that comes from um a lack of translation or lost in translation yeah. if you like yeah. because mm. i mean i just don't there's think there's probably that some truth to all of it there is probably nothing from 2000 years ago that's applicable today except don't kill don't steal don't Oh yeah, Cheap. and then they're all boiled down to two. Which, what yeah. they asked Jesus, they said, "What are the two most important?" He says, "You know, love yourself and love your neighbor as yourself." Yeah, you know, exactly. that was it. It's like golden rule. Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like those are pretty easy. And I say that in my speeches all the time: just don't hurt yourself, don't hurt other people, and you're pretty good. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be all right. Yeah. You know, but also I always say that it's like follow the golden rule and, and believe in God, and there's I mean, there's yeah, go for what it. it. That's yeah, what it comes then, down that, to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. I like talking about this stuff. Like the rest of it is just kind of. I I just like the fact that we can talk about it and I think that like you just got to do that and it really helps me to have the analogy of the family there's nothing more important for me than to my kids let's say I have 10 kids right what how awesome would it be to be a dad and you're walking by their room and they're all in their room and they're all talking about trying to understand their dad they're all like, why do you think he gets so pissed off when this happens? And why do you think he can be by his crunch bars tonight? And do you think we can have cake? Or like, why did he do that to mom? And why did they get angry? And why did they yell? And they're just like debating and going back and forth about you. And they're like, but I just love him so much, regardless of all that stuff. And they're thinking and they're talking and forming these hypotheses. And they're just building the story and they're just discovering who their dad is. Man, that's what the hell we're doing. You know what I mean? And we're just doing it outside the template of culture and yeah. society. Yeah. Culture and society says That's this, cool. this, and this. That's, I like yeah. that. That's yeah. a good analogy, dude. So, <laughs> Ten kids sitting in a room. If I walked by the door and that was happening, I'd be, I'd be weeping. I'd be like, oh, I don't care if they think I'm an asshole. Like, at least they're so, trying so to figure it out. So you went with 10 versus 12, huh? Yeah. Oh, oh you, you know, damn, 12? dude. Yeah. You didn't want 12 children? Like, you never know. Isn't that the best thing about kids, though? Just how... how curious they are about everything yeah it's because they're all learning you that's know, what we were talking about the other day it's like when they turn three years old you know yeah. like weston can't really talk my 19 month old at this mm-hmm. point but we were talking about the other day it's like three-year-olds are always asking why because they have no idea what's going on and yeah. we should ask why yeah. you know what i mean and and the inquisitiveness of a child and god will god will tell us in the way that god chooses to tell us and, mm-hmm. and not chooses in like some like what this like horrible person right yeah. it's it's how do you receive 
information. How do I? Maybe it's just you ever you ever think about like all the things that happen in our life? Mm-hmm. Like we like well, let's talk about this real quick if you're okay with this. Like like you learn just the fact that you can learn about something could be the way God speaks to mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, just the fact that you can take two ideas, become smarter. That could be God's voice to you. Or how about this? How about healing? Every time you go to church, right? If you, if you go to church, and I'd go to like some crazy ones, man, like the, the Holy Roller stuff, and you'd be like, everybody wants to get out of their wheelchair and run around. Everybody wants to like get their diabetes healed in one sitting. Smack you in the forehead, right? demons so, come out. So yeah. I, I, I started asking myself, I was like, where did we ever get it in our minds that we deserve to be healed in a moment? How about the fact that our bodies just can heal, period? Yeah. How about if I cut myself... I get to heal in a week from that. Mm-hmm. That's a miracle, right? But we have defined a miracle as What's that we want it to happen. About the guy stuck on the, the house, you know, when the flood comes. You know, oh yeah, yeah, and he's like, I sent you a helicopter. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, and why did I die? <laughs> what the heck? Have you heard this story? Nope. There's a flood, and the guy stuck on the roof of the house, and a, and a boat comes by and says, "Hey, get in the boat." What was he says, "No, my God will save me." And then the guys, people, are like, okay, fine. They go on, and then. A helicopter comes like get in the helicopter and they're like no my god will save me and then waters rise and guy dies he gets up to heaven he's like god why didn't you save me he's like i sent you a boat and a helicopter like what the he probably called him a dummy at the yeah, same time yeah. yeah but that's true but like we forget about the like all the stuff that we actually have and maybe sometimes he's like hello hey like you, that you're healing is a recurring theme that we keep coming back to mm. How often do people only look up when mm. things are bad instead of on a daily basis just being like, look at all the shit I do have. Look at how lucky I am. Yeah. Look at the people that are in my life. Look at the opportunities mm. I've got. And well, I think it's so easy. we talked about taking time to be yeah. grateful, right? I was grateful. Talking, how important it is. I was, talking, I was thinking about that. I posted on Facebook a little bit ago. I said, like, uh, our minds will always find something to complain about. Okay. Always. If, like... Like, I remember just a couple weeks ago, I had this big issue. Like, it was just this pressing worry that I woke up with, just stressed about it. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know the answer. And I was just, it overtook me. And I remember thinking to myself, I remember thinking, if only I had a resolution to this and I had the answer that I wanted, man, my life would be freaking yeah, dope it would be awesome like i'll be king i'll be like confident and i'll be like, take care of all my other problems it got resolved in like an hour after being just stressed out about it and it, it was a big issue at the time and it just got resolved it was no problem i got the answer i needed and everything was good right and then and then sure enough my mind was like what else can we worry about i felt it because I'm trying to be more mindful. I'm reading a lot of books about mindfulness, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I started to meta my life. So I started to like look at my life from another perspective. So seeing something's happening to me, I'm like, oh, why is that? Being? I'm like over yeah. here, right? And that's me. And it's looking 10, in. 10,000 feet. Yeah. And so I'm looking at myself and I'm starting to see my brain go, what? It's starting to try to find something else to worry about. <laughs> Where are you going, brain? What are and, you doing? Exactly. And so then I couldn't just honor what I said when there was a problem before and say everything's going to be great and be grateful. So I just bring my mind back in and I say, I'm just going to be grateful for the things I do have, right? Mm-hmm. I could be thinking right now, like all the stuff that's going on. What's my phone? How many texts do I have and emails? No, nah, man, I'm here with you. Like, and this is awesome. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be talking to you guys. I'm grateful. Like anything waiting outside for me would just be fine. You know what I mean? But right now, <laughs> this is cool. And it's it's just it's just pretty incredible to to be able to 
stop worrying a little bit, and it's gonna happen again. I'm gonna do it uh, again. Yeah. Well, you're still human. Yeah, but we're always just trying try to bring yourself back, create new pathways and habits to not worry. I so I, I go to say, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think some of the best advice I got from a friend with regard to religion, but just life and perception, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, sometimes you just need to stop and listen too, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, we're so busy all the time and we have so many things going on, you're like, I haven't heard yet from God, like, why hasn't he spoken or why haven't yeah. I heard anything? It's like, well, maybe you just need to stop and let him speak into your life or pull yeah. out that a boat and helicopter. Yeah, there's the helicopter there. Yeah. That's good, man. So That's I wanted nice. to say, this is a completely opposite direction from how I thought this was going to go, but it's great. Yeah. I and I hope, like your energy just I, you saw I took some pictures there I always take pictures during our podcast your energy is infectious mm. your Thanks, your man. vibe and your spirit and how you just want to just put it out there yeah it's, it's inspiring I love it you know I, I, anytime I've been around you I've really enjoyed oh, spending time with you and I, I want you to know that I Same. hope that it's it's um it's there for you do you think we should talk about baller media a little bit <laughs> We can. I'll probably just go back wherever it goes. Well, wherever just, we go. Yeah, with great. this group, it's going to go wherever. You just start something and it'll go somewhere. But I did, we can segue into that from this because mm-hmm. we talk about, you know, you went to church, you were religious, you started the company, you have a family. Uh, it sounds like you're a fiance now, so there was mm-hmm. probably divorce at some point, I think. Yeah, I had a divorce, yeah. Okay, and then so now, how, how did you juggle it all? That's always what I want to know. It's like, especially like being a more recent dad, right? It's like, there's a lot going on. got a lot going on in terms of where you dedicate your time. So it's like, how do you choose where to dedicate your time? Because I I am of the belief, I think that something is probably going to suffer a little bit because we only have a limited amount of hours of the day, right? And then we talk about health and juggling working out and being able to work out versus seeing your family versus working in your business or on your business versus. Just taking a moment for yourself. I, I, I love that. And I think the answer to that question uh, is I always try to find the most valuable thing. The thing that spreads quickest. Meaning like, okay, I have a business. I have kids. I have a fiance, which is going to be a wife soon. I have all these other things. Which is the one that's going to make the biggest impact on all the other things? And I firmly believe that that's your relationship with your spouse. Mm-hmm. I do believe that because mm-hmm. it starts your day, right? If yeah. you don't have a spouse, then it's your relationship with yourself. And it, let's just macro it out in a meta even more. It's the relationship with yourself because you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Yeah. The way well, I like to look at this, good yeah, the way I like to look at this is a bookshelf. And I talk to this about Rebecca all the time, my fiance, Rebecca. I say, look, like our marriage needs to be a bookshelf. It can't be a book. I can't get up every day and say, okay, I have, I have baller media, I have the vlogging, I have speaking, I have friendships, I have my, my, my kids, and then I have Rebecca. And what, what the hell is my bookshelf then? No, it needs to, it needs to be your, your relationship with your spouse. It needs to be that bookshelf because that's how I do it. It does, it, 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 what, what's on your shelf because what's great about that is you can take the books off of your shelf but what is your bookshelf what is mm-hmm. the thing that's immovable what is the thing that you start with it's not necessarily like tangible things you start your day with mm-hmm. you know what I mean but you gotta the bookshelf is not something I don't just be like okay I've gotta do my relationship with my spouse now blah blah blah, blah. put it back and now I do a relationship with my kids now put it back and I do my baller media now and I, and I put that book back and you don't even know what your shelf is. You don't even know what the whole thing is you're putting it into. And I think you gotta choose the one thing that spills out into your whole life. And if you've chosen, if you've chosen to, to 
sink your life in commitment to another person, then that should probably be your bookshelf, right? You could say it's with God, you could say it's, it's with um, yourself, which is great, and I think that's important. Um, and th that's a part of the bookshelf. I think that God would probably be the glue and the paint that mm -hmm. puts the yeah. bookshelf together. Yeah. I don't think it's the actual bookshelf itself. It's the power within, right? Yeah. And if you're single, it should be that relationship with yourself. And it should be, maybe you could say if you're a father, or you could put that friendships, uh, friendships as the shelf. You could do, put, put whatever it's going to, to turn you on that day. If it's something you're like, you're like my kid, let's say you're single dad or single mom, you know what, right now that bookshelf is your, your relationship with your children. Or maybe you're a single guy with no kids. That relationship, that bookshelf is that time, that three hours or two hours you get in the morning where you get to just really dig into yourself mm -hmm. and that's your bookshelf. Or maybe it's your friends. But I think that if you do commit to somebody in a marriage, and this is something I learned the hard way. I had a divorce, right? What the hell do I know? You know what I mean? But I know because I failed. Yeah. I know I failed hard, man. Like, we all failed. And I failed, and this is what I've learned from it. I didn't have this analogy or this thought before, but I do now. You know what I mean? And so now, that's how I'm going to live my life. I like that. I have a shelf, and we I talk like about the analogy. Time. That's a good answer. Good answer, Corey. Mm. Good Here's a golden star. He really did just put a gold star on my shirt. <laughs> yeah, he stood up and took care of his swass as well. Yeah, that was, swass, was interesting. Actually, what did you call it? Swass. What's a swass? Sweaty swass. ass. Oh, nice. Swalls is sweaty balls. You can guess what that one is. Okay, well, <laughs> I think everybody just shut off the podcast. <laughs> well, Till next time. Let's talk about Jesus again. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we mix it all up. Spirituality, sweaty Jesus. balls. <laughs> sweaty balls, Jesus, relationships. Jesus probably had sweaty balls at some point. <laughs> Well, Jesus was in a robe in Jerusalem one time, some sweaty something. One yeah. time I was at a job, and this is when I was in the church and stuff, but I still always kind of thought outside of it. I wanted to create a, I wanted to create a campaign when social media was new, and I wanted to put a Bible in every bathroom, and I wanted to have a, I sold it as a package. I wanted to sell a Bible, a picture frame design that I designed, and a t-shirt, and it's called Pooping with Jesus. And it encouraged people to read the Bible on the toilet. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, oh, this will really Im implement, like, inspiration for people to read the Bible, right? Because at the time, that yeah. was all I, I was like, pooping in religion. I was like, what's the best time to read the Bible? When you're sitting down pooping, right? And I was like, because you have that time free. And I showed it to somebody. I had to design. I had to design a t-shirt all ready to go. I was going to do a package, Bible frame because you could put it next to the yeah. toilet yeah and then you have the bible you have the toilet and then you have a t-shirt to just go out to spread the good news <laughs> but then Discipleship i showed it to somebody and some lady she was very like religious oh man she never spoke to me again oh, she was no. offended i told her she was like you don't ever say poop in jesus in the same see i thought it would offend the people that weren't religious not the ones that were oh it offended the because she didn't know? like poop in jesus in the same sentence poop see now jesus you could created it. your jesus? body so it could poop he pooped See, yeah, I think you were 10 moves. years, <laughs> 10 years ahead of your time. Now you could do it on a screen. That, yeah. Now you could do it electronically where there's just Bible verses or whatever yeah. going through. Yeah. You, know, you should do that. You should put that in your bathroom at the but office. But it only turns, it only turns, the app only turns on when it knows you're in the bathroom. It's when like the geo, seat's weighted. Everybody, everybody it's has all, a Bible it's now. It's all tied to you. On their phone. It's just like everything else. Seat. Does anybody um, go to the bathroom without their phone these days? 
I do now. I try. Um, I'm trying to put my phone other places. I'm so tired of my phone. I I would be okay if we went back to the old school Nokia brick with just like texting and. I've always said that I would love the internet just to shut off and force us all into like once one day a week, no internet. Can you imagine? That'd be dope. Can you imagine how people would cope with that? Yeah, they dude. There'd be people that would lose their shit. People just twitching and stuff like my phone's useless. I can only make a phone call. We've created such horrible pathways in our brains about like scrolling and being on the internet yeah. the one yeah. thing that I try to not do is scroll mindlessly and I'll do it all the time mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, eh. and I'm like wait if I'm gonna open I really want to get to the point because I say I really want to because I haven't I want to get to the point to anything I do on my phone is intentional mm-hmm. if I find myself doing something that's mindless mm-hmm. then even the intention of I'm gonna spend a minute on Instagram feed so yeah. this is a good thing because this is this topic's interesting. So business owner, both kind of self-employed in a mm-hmm. way, like commissioned, right? It's like so we all are kind of like, hey, when our clients need us, you jump almost. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so how do you put walls around that then? Because sometimes it's like you feel like you have to have your phone on you, mm-hmm. right? It's like you got to be accessible twenty four seven in this day. Well, you don't. People get accept- and My customers I think know that's the answer. Yeah, I answer emails at a certain time each day, twice a day. Yeah, and I might be on email, sending emails at different times. But I'm responding not before 10 a.m. and not after 4 p.m. And if you and if in an onboarding meeting with your client, if you set that expectation, they're absolutely fine mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. If I met with Steven and how was his client and he said I only respond in it, I'd be like accepted. And I do not. I, I, they have my cell phone number, so if it's an emergency, they know they can call it. Mm-hmm. But you also have to define what an emergency is because your emergency yeah. isn't my emergency. Yeah. Well, and they're going to have yeah. people that that abuse it, and you have to have the Cajones, you have to have the courage to tell that client mm-hmm. you're you're it's too much like these problems that you have at 10 p.m aren't problems they could wait till eight and i'm not going to respond or you just know you don't respond to it yeah turn yeah. that signal off and that way you don't have to have that conversation well part of that is though so then do you just not get on your phone too right because sometimes it's like what i'll do is yeah, like, put it I, away. I try to not answer my emails right and i don't get things pushed through my phone because mm-hmm. I don't want the notifications to come up. Like I hate those email notifications to come up because then you'll see one from somebody you've been waiting to hear back mm-hmm. from, right? And it's 8 p.m. at night and you're, you know, like I should just be relaxing with my spouse or something. And then mm-hmm. ding! Yeah. And you're like, oh, I so badly want to check that email. Yeah. It's like, and now it's in your mind for the next hour and a half. It's distracting you. Yeah. So and it's what like, can I you do at 8 p.m.? Remember that? You can't do anything. Remember the icebreaker question you said, what is something I want to do? Before I die, break oh. the internet. <laughs> I want to delete all my emails right now, like every one of them. Just delete them. I just want to go. What right do they now. call it? We call it a. It, I heard this. It was like a email Armageddon or something. Like you just go in your email right now into the server part of it, like into the Gmail, because there's some. Why do we save some? Right? They're just, just like randomly, and I'm never gonna go back. The one thing I use my emails for at this point, not the new ones, I use it as like a Google. Like I'm like. What did Ben email me like five yeah. months ago? And I got Ben Clunt, and I'm like, okay, there's our string of conversations. Yeah. That's where I find value in yeah. having all of them. No, I am yeah. the same. But For I think reference. it'd be yeah. amazing to go in, highlight Just them all, sweep. delete, and then and then shoot out a Facebook or Instagram message. Say FYI to anybody, I have deleted all my emails. If you need anything, start now. And and if you're waiting on a response, you're going to need to send it again. I love that idea. I just don't know if emotionally I could do it. Be hard. In my in my personal Gmail, not my, my work Gmail, I've got stuff from people when I first moved to the States that if I go back all the way to email number one, like the genesis of my Gmail, <laughs> I could probably go through there and be like, I've been really shitty because I haven't reached out to that person. Or I haven't, I haven't responded. Yeah. Or, 
I, I'm trying I love to, the concept though It'll be so awesome I think it'll be awesome One day I think I'm going to do it I don't, right, I don't know you're about to retire Or something No I just want to do it And see what happens I like to do a lot of things To feel it So And I'm now asking The most questions It seems like So chime in when you got A question Stephen That's alright I think it's pretty um, even With as far as Baller goes And you talked about You being like you are Corey. Corey is your goal, basically, like being yourself, but growing. So it's like, what does that mean for Baller then in five to ten years? Like, I don't know. Maybe. Whatever it is, whatever it happens. Yeah, I, I can do like no I, strategic plan. No, no, there's a plan. Like I got coaches and all that kind of stuff. But I really want the people of Baller. The they know this. I want them to grow it. I grew it for five years, right? And that's not a long time, but. I hustled my ass off. I spent 16 hour days and now I put people in positions to succeed. I put bonus plans in, in places for them to make a lot of money. And now it's time to watch it grow and I'm doing that right now and I'm still a part of it and it's great. But Baller doesn't define who I am. If it closed down tomorrow, I'll be okay. I'm okay. Baller is not who I am, you know? And, and if it, it shouldn't be anybody's anything. Baller is, it's a company, it's a name, it's a brand, who cares? It's like, it's, it, it's not me. And so if it closes down, guess what? I'm a freelancer again and I'm making money. I'm yeah. doing it. I'm working and doing what I do best and loving life. And, Love uh, but what's cool is I have built Baller and it is there and there are people there and they're employed there and, and they know that they're in control and they know that they have some great opportunity because guess what? Baller was built with no, no, no real capital, no loans. I don't have an investor. I don't, I'm 100% owner. I built it on sweat equity and hustle. Like it's all built. I, I own every piece of equipment. I own all the computers. I own all the cameras. I own everything. And that's awesome. And so they know, my staff knows that we're not subject to a big payment. We're just subject to ourselves. Yeah. And if we're not helping our clients, our, our baller mm -hmm. media is 100% client funded. Meaning the work that we do for our client is what creates our company. And I like betting on us yeah. because I know we're good. I know Baller Media is good and I know that the people in it care about our clients. And I know that every day they treat it more than a job. I tell them all the time, it's not about life-work balance. You better understand if you're going to be here eight hours a day, that's eight hours of your life that you have chosen to give. I don't require... I'm not... It's not you're not a slave. You don't have to come into work. Yeah. But you've decided to trade eight hours of your day for monetary gain. But you better get more out of it than the, just the money. Because mm -hmm. if you're just thinking about the money, you're not getting paid enough. Yeah. Each employee yeah, at Baller Media will never get what they deserve because they're worth so much. Every person, we're never going to get paid monetarily what we're worth ever. Well, so we better extract other things from it too. Other other things that are that help us, right? Um, joy and friendships like everybody at baller has friendships with everybody else and friendships with clients we go to lunch together those are i want work-life balance to just be life okay. and so baller media it's people man i like that yeah so since we're talking about baller mm. if i walked in and, and i asked ben this question can you explain simply what baller media does yeah we communicate your message by any means necessary. You have a story, right? You have a story mm -hmm. to tell. I don't care if you're ordinary or extraordinary podcast, or you're the chef down the street, or you're a real estate agent, or you're a, uh, just a young living representative, or I don't care who you are, you have a story. You have something in your heart that you want to tell the world. 
Okay, Baller Media comes in and says, hey, you know what? To communicate a message in this day and age is an industry now. It's not something that's just easy to do. You can't just create a, com you can't just like do it once. You have to have a foundation of your brand. You have to communicate your brand mm -hmm. and you have to do it consistently. That's what Baller does. We extract your story and your passions and then we deliver it to the demographics and people that, that need to hear your story and then it grows. Why do you think people struggle to tell their story so much? People have brands, people have yeah. products, but they struggle to tell their story. And if you think about what we're attached to the most, we're attached to Apple because of the story. Yeah. They, they took multiple industries and revolutionized them. We're attached to Nike because they tell athlete stories. We're attached to Adidas for the same thing. Why do you think people struggle to tell their stories when they have great companies and great products? Because they're only seeing it from one perspective, which is their own. Like it's almost like in life we get so close to something and we don't know. It just becomes routine, right? It's like you live in your house and you're just used to your house or you're used to your car. And then someone gets in your car or house and says, this is amazing, right? Yeah. They can yeah. see the story. And you're like, huh, I guess I never really looked at it that way. You know what I mean? And so I think that's what we do with our businesses. We have a trouble mm -hmm. articulating the value. I think people don't – I think people – especially business owners, they talk about the services they provide and they don't say why those services are valuable to create growth. So let's talk about Rebecca in midwifery. She's a midwife, okay? So you'd think that as being a midwife, you'd think that her demographic is easy, right? It's people who are pregnant, okay? Yeah. That's not true. It's people who are pregnant who want to have home birth, which is 1% to 2% of all pregnant women. Right? So that is a very small market that she has to market to. And there's a lot of midwives in the Spokane area. So a lot of those midwives, and I want you to apply this to your business, but a lot of the midwives are very territorial over that 1% to 2%. And everybody's fighting and clawing at, oh, I want this. Because like, there's only that small, crunchy mama type mm -hmm. that want to have their baby at home. That's great. So Crunchy mama type. Right? And so you have to say, you have to say like... <laughs> All so, that granola. So what's the solution? The solution, is it fight over the 1% to 2% or is the solution, let's talk about the value of home birth. Let's talk about the value of why should you have your baby at home? Why is it better than the hospital? Why is it better than the OBGYN? And then you tell that story rather than, oh, I do home birth and I do this and that and the other thing. No, tell the story of why what you do is valuable. And then what does that do? It creates a bigger market. So mm -hmm. everybody, and if we're, and especially now we have this ability to create Facebook groups. You should create Facebook groups that are public that tell that story, but nobody's selling anything. They're just creating a market. And then that 2% grows to three to five to six because more people are like, you know what? I don't want to go to the OBGYN every time. I want the midwife to come to my house and check my, you know, how dilated I am. I want them to come to me and do these um, and, and do my checkups. And then when it's time to have the baby, the only difference between a midwife and like, and like going to the hospital you're just not going to get an epidural. You know what I mean? And some people, and, and you're getting all the medical stuff. Mm -hmm. And if there's a problem, guess what? You go to the hospital. But more, more, more or less, like being what I've learned so far when you're a midwife, it's, it's like it's the, it's the pregnancies that are just normal that you can handle. You know what I mean? And so that's my example. So whatever it is, whether you're a plumber, you're a chef, don't fight over the market you have. Tell your story. Communicate what the value of your services provide. So why is it that 
your restaurant, what's the story of your restaurant? You know, and tell that story and create that market Love and it. let it get bigger. Then you're not competing. Yeah. You have, uh, I, I know you have a, you call her a profit coach or yeah, performance Leanne. coach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk about what, the, how, like, what is a profit coach? Before you answer, can I say, Leanne is the lady who I always complain about being really loud when we used to record yeah. our podcast in the other room. I wasn't going to bring that Dear up. Dear God, I can hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's very passionate and I love Leanne. She has helped me considerably uh, in my business and she still helps me. And, She's great. And yeah. uh, it's funny where we segued into her after talking about communicating um, their story because that's something that she's trying to uh, do with us at Baller, which is great, and we're we're doing that. We have some videos shot. You're going to start seeing some videos from Leanne. A profit coach is easy. It's just a lot of businesses. I usually tell her story a lot because I understand it fully. I know exactly what she does. Um, you're experiencing it. Yeah, yeah. So business owners tend to spend first and hope and and scrape the scraps. They're mm -hmm. like, okay, there's I, I paid payroll, I paid taxes, I paid these bills, I paid all these expenses. What's left? Then you realize that through all that, like through all in between the lines that you spent on this, you spent on this and you're like, you spent profit in other places. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, there's nothing left. I'm not getting paid. And, and you're like, where's all my profit? Because at the end of the year, it said I had the 20% profit margin. I made $100,000, but my paycheck can go up and there's no money sitting in the bank. It's the reason why a profit coach works and why Leanne's so awesome is we calculate those expenses. We calculate all of what your company is spending and we calculate where um, what's coming in and we actually can know what the profit is and you take it first so it's profit first so when accounts receivable comes in you know that you can that you know there's oh let's say you know it's every other week margin, yeah. every other week you know that two thousand dollars is in profit of your accounts receivable you just take that two thousand you put it in a separate account at the end of the quarter it's like it never was gone because you were diligent and organized and so maybe at the end of the quarter what would that be that would be four thousand that'd be twelve thousand dollars right if you're doing two thousand every two weeks mm -hmm. you'd be like oh twelve thousand dollars now you get to decide you have cash you say twelve thousand dollars in profit that i've been taking every time that's that has been documented i can say i can bonus myself as the owner because you deserve it mm -hmm. if you're the owner because you're the one taking the risk or you can reinvest it, or you can buy more equipment, or you can bonus somebody. Do all the above. Yeah. Or yeah, any of it. And that's Whatever. that's really awesome. And Leanne has helped me with that. The problem is sometimes you get off track because cash flow issues and yeah. stuff like that. So keeping a coach like her on on on, on retainer is a very, very, very uh, important. Yeah. I have a question. That's awesome. When are we going to talk about fantasy football? I'm just joking. Because <laughs> you wrote I would it. talk about that all day. <laughs> I was like, about oh, I'm just messing with you. Uh, ben will go to sleep. I'm going to leave now. Um, <laughs> Spokane, Cordelay. Yeah. Why are you here? What do you love? What can be better? Well, I was born here. I was born in Cordelay. Um, what do I love about Spokane and Cordelay? Um, I mean, other than the cliche answer of the people of it. That's my hometown. This is where I'm at. And I find very I find it very challenging and I find it as a goal to wake everybody up to understand, hey, you know what, we're behind. Like and we live in a world where we can see what everybody else is doing in regards to like business tactics and entrepreneurship and we can see it and sometimes we're get so comfortable in the way we've always done it. We get romantic about this is mm -hmm. our like place and we should this is what we do. Like, no, like let's let's innovate let's do some better things i like that challenge i like to i just like to open eyes or 
or innovate some things where people are like, oh yeah, like that's awesome. I never thought of that, you know, and just bring the, bring community along the way. That, yeah, I think that's cool, and I like helping in that area. And you kind of touched on it there, but the reason I ask is in your industry. Yeah. Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, big yeah. cities. People want to be in big cities working with the big companies, Palo Alto, you know, work with Apple, yeah. Google, Facebook, all of that. So yeah. it's just, I'm glad that you, you've realized that. And I don't even think it's a realization. I think it's common knowledge that Spokane is that little bit behind. We but are. Yeah. There's so much upside and there's so much potential. And you've got this yeah. tremendous mix in the business community of old traditional values along with forward thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons we're such an attractive place for businesses. There's a to lot come of opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it like this is, and this is something I, this is one of my favorite things to talk about um, in, in my speeches where I speak and on the business side of things. I love the idea that we are the, you're 37, how old are you? 30. 30, I'm 38. Every, like we are of the generation, maybe not Ben so much, but we are of the generation. We're Xers. We're right. Gen Xers. Well, actually, it just depends on which Google listing yeah. you look at. But no, you are a part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are the generation that knows what it's like to have no internet and mm-hmm. knows what it's like to have internet. Do you realize that we are the only generation that will ever happen? Yep. That's incredible. That is so mind-blowing. The problem is, is there are a lot of people that don't realize that. And... They romanticize about how it used to be, and then they hate the way it is now, or they hate the way it's going. You mean as a as a child to not to not have internet and then have internet? Yeah, okay. I didn't have internet growing up. Yeah, and no. now my children. I was like, I'm like, well, all of our parents went without it and now have it. But so yeah, you're th- as a them child. too. Yeah, no, okay. them too. Yeah. Like you're a human being who experienced the world without internet, and you experienced with. That'll never happen again, ever, ever, ever. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And so, and like, people will look back on our deal. generation. They'll look back on our generation and be like, that was a hard generation because they had to make the change. Talk about pioneers. Yeah, if you look at them, if you macro it out and look at it, like, whoa, that's like a fault line. Like, you get to see that. And you know what? It's hard to be us. But it's hard because we have these, we have these values without it, and now we have these values with it. And our, my kids, they're just going to not have that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then the future generations are going to have different things. But the internet was... For mankind, it changed us. And we are the generation that has experiences in both. Therefore, we get to set the tone. Well, it's changes for good the better. And it's and, it's yeah. changes for the worse as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, you used to we're be, dependent on it. It yeah. used to be you would go to the doctor if you didn't feel well. Now, now you get online and... I, I, one day I thought I was pregnant. <laughs> WebMD. <laughs> you put right. your symptoms and you're like, oh shit, well, I'm pregnant. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't do that. But anymore, it's, I see a doctor. All WebMD like web leads to the, the worst things. Oh, WebMD. You, you self-diagnose yourself. There's like three occurrences in the history of the world, and you're like, yeah, that's what I've got. I've got. I have a, <laughs> I, you, you cough a couple times, dry. I have cancer. It's like, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's next? For me? Yeah. Uh, well, um, short term, I'm getting married on Sunday. Ooh, so that'll be cool. That's yeah. awesome. Um, it's, I only found that the first time today. I ever said it publicly, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think this podcast will come out after. I'm I'm married to him. How Monday. cool is that? The, yeah, the yeah, I'll be gone. Yeah. I'll get married on Sunday. It comes out on Monday, so I got married yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I think. 
think. We're I just going to get did. text messages on Sunday. Like, don't release it. Let's hope. No, I'll let you read it. I hope it. No, no. I'm getting married on Sunday, which is cool. And then I'm heading to Puerto Rico for two weeks. Oh, sweet. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm really grateful. I'm going to go to uh, Puerto Rico for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. You can't come with us, but... <laughs> Yes, I can. <laughs> Puerto I can Rico. buy a plane ticket and go. That's true. I'm like, hey, man, how's it going, man? You still I, sitting at the pool, huh? I'm still with us at the pool. I well, could see you showing up and being like, is that right if I sleep on your couch here? And yeah. Like, yeah. We just get married, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, Does this so, thing pull out? No. Yeah. Uh, that, we can go somewhere else. No. <laughs> as soon as uh, I said that, I was like, no, 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 don't go there. That's uh, what she said? Oh, oh that you could have done that. Yeah, I'm trying not to say that much anymore. Every I time I it. say it. Rebecca's always like, oh. I'm like, all right, I'm just... but anyways, um, so I'm doing that. I want Baller Media to continue to grow, and I want it to grow by uh, the people that are involved in it. And I really am excited about that. I actually have some ideas that with some other ventures that I'm doing that I'm not revealing yet, but just some things that include patents and stuff, which I think will be cool. Mm-hmm. That's on the business side of things, which is great. Um, but in the end, I want to buy some property here, some probably up in Cheney somewhere. I think that'd be pretty cool. Build a house on it. Um, I just, you know what? In the end, it's it's tough to say what next because I just I'm happy today. You know awesome. what I mean? And I, I have visions and who I want to be, mm-hmm. and I want to continue to grow. Uh, but I just want to be okay. Too, I want to be good and okay, meaning okay, just content. I don't want to like. I think that being a peaceful person isn't being a person with no problems. A peaceful person is someone who's okay with problems and growing and learning from them yeah, and always it. pursuing yourself and always being better than you were the day before. And that's what I want. Absolutely. I want to be a peaceful person, mm-hmm. meaning I'm okay with all the shit that is coming into my life. I'm okay with all the stuff that's happening because it's happening to me and I get to decide if I want it, if I want to deal with it, or if I want to throw it away. And that's awesome. Or if you that want to react deep. to it and make yeah. it better. Yeah. Yeah, love we that. You need to decide how you're going to react to it. Yeah. Where can people find you and Baller Media? I'd like you to, like, if anyone wants to find me, I'm pretty active on Instagram, and it's just at CJEP, S E E J E P P. Pretty easy to find. Otherwise, just shoot me a message there if you ever want to meet up for coffee or whatever. I'd be happy to talk to anybody. Uh, Baller Media is also on there. Uh, it's just B A H L R M E D I A. New website's coming out in the next month or so. It's going to cool. be big and awesome. Um, I'm really excited about that. Um, also, like finding Baller Media for just things that you need, and we could help with that. Um, cool. And then, yeah, I don't, I don't have any needs from anybody other than just to meet you. Cool. Well, I, I mean, it. yeah. And we'll do some cross promotion so people can you can find Corey and Baller Media on our Instagram. Today, moving forward, we'll get some stuff up there some and stuff posted chat about this. Expect you to share the podcast when it comes out. As oh, well. of course, yeah, yeah. We expect um, a million listens. Any mm. any questions of us? Any last minute questions, burning questions, things you want to know? Because it, mm. it's come up multiple times now where we start to wrap it up and they're like, "Oh, I have a question." After we've done like the no, ex- I think, exit, I just think I love the experience. I don't have any questions. I, like I think it. this is a great podcast. I really uh, admire and respect and look up to you guys for what you're doing because uh, you. I think you. that there's something to be said. Like I always say in my speeches, is foundation, communications, and consistency. You guys are doing all of that. You guys have foundation. You have a great brand. People know you, right? You're communicating. You're, you're sharing. You're marketing yourself, and you're doing it every week. And you know what? That's why people, people will go to you every time if you continue that and you keep being consistent. That's why Tom Brady and LeBron James 
are good at what they do. That's why people trust them. They may not like them. So we're going to have people that don't like us, right? I'm going to have people that don't I'm like me. There's going to be, so there's okay. gonna be <laughs> people that don't like you. So yeah. just like Tom Brady and LeBron James, I say this in my speeches too. It's like, it's like we don't like them, but damn it, if you are an owner of a football team or a basketball team, the first person you want on your team, either on staff or as a player, are those people because they're consistent and you know that they're going to win. And so that's what you guys are doing with this podcast. You're consistent. You guys have all the tools. And I think it's awesome. And I just What's look that? up to you. All I do is Thank you. No, I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Um, I think we've actually had other people that haven't been guests say to us that we've, they're really impressed with the fact that we had the vision, Every did week. it, pulled the trigger. Mm. Um, and yeah, I've said people to People have asked, how do you start a podcast? We're like, uh, you just start? Just start. Just I think one thing that would benefit you guys, and go. I think you guys should do your full version. So like you sometimes you do an hour, an hour and a half. But I think you should start cutting them up into like, you know, two minute spots of, of each podcast. Start cutting them and do more oh, content. I like yeah. it. Yeah, put it out on the social media you're talking about. Oh, you should, do, you should be breaking up your vignettes. podcast. You want, yeah, you want exactly. to learn how to do all the editing and stuff, Ben, and then maybe we can do that? No. I, I love the concept. Just have to... Just work. Figure yeah. out when and how. But you, and, you're going you're gonna to find that people yeah. listen more. Agreed. I want to say thank you so much for being here. Yeah, and thanks, Ben man. does too. Have fun at your you wedding. Do? You want to say that? Yeah. I, just, I don't know if I get to. Um, I'm a freaking Scottish guy. Crush the wedding. Crush. Enjoy your honeymoon. When you get back, beers are on, Ben. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. I'll even buy you a hard drink. How about wine? I don't drink hard alcohol or beer. If we can do wine. We can do wine. You don't drink wine. That's a story. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I could drink a beer every now and then. I went to the, what is it? The Iron Goat. I had a a sour there. That's pretty good. I'm not into the microbrew stuff. I like Um, to drink. I have have no idea what I'm into. I just go try it. But I do hey, love wine. A good world. bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. If anybody sent me Sauvignon that, I would be very happy. I'd be very happy. Okay, well, we'll wrap it up here. Yeah, and we really do appreciate you. Thanks for making time oh, on yeah, your wedding week yeah. of all, of all oh, times. On your wedding? No kidding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bachelor party after this. So, um, <laughs> I guess <laughs> we'll sign off and say thanks for listening. And until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. And like us on social media. Is that like I'm Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Boom. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Party on. Party on.
about now. <laughs>